Hello and welcome to the second episode of Chayakada Chats. Today, we will speak about the COVID-19 pandemic. The evolution of the pandemic around us in India continues to be acute. The number of infections are rising and the conditions of livelihood of working people continues to be worrisome. But from day one, one state in India, Kerala, has been receiving enormous media attention for the way it has been handling the pandemic both on the health front as well as the socio-economic front. Kerala was noted for its early and quick response to the pandemic, instituting good testing systems from the initial days itself, for keeping the death rates lower than the international and national averages, for putting in place a very effective system of uh, home quarantine, room quarantine, and reverse quarantine, for its decentralized public health response, for a very innovative campaign to reduce the spread of infections called Break the Chain. So today, we are joined to speak about Kerala's response to the pandemic by one of the most appropriate persons to speak about the topic, Dr. B. Iqbal. Dr. B. Iqbal is one of the senior most and most respected doctors in Kerala. He retired as a neurosurgeon from the medical college system. He is a well-known public health activist, both in the state and nationally. He was the vice chancellor of Kerala University and currently he is my colleague at the Kerala State Planning Board as a member looking after the portfolios of education and health. Dr. Iqbal, thank you very much for joining me at this conversation. Let me begin by asking you to kindly say a few words about yourself for our listeners. Well, uh, I am basically a uh, neurosurgeon by profession. I, I retired from the government service uh, as the professor of neurosurgery from uh, Media College in Kerala. And then uh, currently I am a member of the Kerala State, State Planning Board. Uh, I am also associated with the People's Health Movement in India. I am one of the joint conveners of Janasosthe Abhiyan. Earlier I was, uh, I have officiated as the Vice Chancellor of the University of Kerala and also I was again associated with the People's uh, Science Movement in Kerala. I was in fact the President of the Kerala Shastra Society Parishad. As far as the present COVID uh, uh, issue is concerned, the government formed a, an expert committee of 11 members of various specialities. I am currently the chairperson of this expert committee that advises the government on COVID control and management. I hear that you are part of the group that meets the chief minister every day uh, at a special meeting. Is that right? Yeah, actually the, uh, the, the chief minister convenes a high-level meeting every day or as and when it is necessary with the high-ranking officials and as chairperson, so the chairperson of the expert committee, I am also invited there. But the expert committee meets every day by a video conferencing. And uh, uh, some so issues will be referred ask, to. Can I ask you, so what is the role of this expert committee? Can you just explain it to us? Is it like uh, the group called the SAGE, uh, which advises the UK government? And uh, is it a place where you try to combine science with policy making? I never, I never, but uh, Sage, of course, you know that uh, in UK it is a well-formed 
a premeditated group which advises government on policies yes uh, and issues related to disasters and emergencies etc uh, but actually what happened was that in the early days of covid the chief minister convened a meeting of experts about 30 of them from various sectors and in that conference uh, 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 the the idea of an expert committee was raised by a, a participant and the chief minister immediately formed this committee and uh, we meet every day discuss issues and present it before the chief minister the chief minister and the health minister the very next day that is how it is functioning and the committee has in its fold pathologists critical care medicine experts anesthetists then infectious disease expert of course public health expert uh, epidemiologist etc so we discuss in a very democratic way and then present our views before the government yeah that is so how it is states also have similar expert committees what did you say can you repeat that question do other states in india also have uh, similar uh, expert committees i i, I do not know but i think there are groups who that are advising the other state governments also they form it right. i do not know whether this is functioning uh, such as very systematic way and our group is not a closed group that also should be understood we invite every other day other experts from other fields some of the field level functionaries officials even the health minister uh, uh, and the secretary uh, are invited and we discuss with them issues related to covid management in our state and right. also we share with them the experience of other states and other countries also and actually uh, we have entrusted a few entities to scan all the uh, recent publications on covid that is coming from various sources and then present a summary of this uh, before us so dr ikbal can you just tell us a little bit about how the pandemic has panned out in kerala the first case was identified on the 30th of january with a wuhan yes, yes. and uh, from there till now how would you describe the trajectory of covid infections in the state where is the state now uh, uh, i think we can divide the uh, covid uh, dissemination in kerala into three phases i would may, i would say that the, we are we have now ended the second leg of this third phase phase was from uh, as you mentioned january 30th when the first student came to kerala uh, then in february Yes. Uh, first week two, two two more students came here and there was a lull period and march first week a few persons coming from italy and uh, uh, the first phase uh, maybe ended with the lockdown that was in march 24 25 the national government lockdown in fact one day before that kerala government lockdown the 14 districts in kerala in march 23 so that can be the second phase and the third phase started with may 24 may 4th when the national government eased out the lockdown and allowed people from other countries and other state to come come to uh, kerala that so is the state we had lockdown 2.0 yeah yeah yes right so that started from may 4th and the first group of persons came came started coming from uh, other countries and other states to kerala from march may 7th so that can be the third phase and at the end of the first two phases we ended up with 499 positive cases with three deaths only now uh, as as we expected 
number of positive cases started increasing uh, from May 7th onwards as soon as person uh, Kerala is expatriate started coming from other countries and other states and there was a qualitative difference from the first phase and the third phase in that during the first phase these the countries from where people were coming to Kerala and the states from where people were coming to Kerala the 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 presence of covid was not that large in the sense that it was not that widely disseminated in these countries and states but in the third phase people were coming to kerala from literally hot spots right and epicenters uh, the gulf countries usa europe and as far as uh, the other indian states is concerned our neighbor state like tamil nadu chennai mumbai delhi Right. So we expected that uh, cases will increase. Also, we expected that more deaths will be reported because uh, on a priority basis, we allowed elderly and those with other diseases to come first. So these are the people who are likely to die because of COVID. So that is exactly what happened. So the cases increased, the death rate, death also increased in the third phase. So uh, but coming now, uh, now coming to the second, and that is the first leg we expected. But I, even at that time, right? Our uh, calculation was that if the contact positivity, that is the people who get positive uh, by coming into contact with those who are coming from outside, can be kept below thirty percent for the positive cases, then we can manage fairly easily. Uh, initially, it was so, ten percent, fifteen percent. even less than the first uh, first phase but, but then it increased mean, uh, we have, we will have adequate hospital infrastructure beds etc et, if etc if it does not exceed that level fairly easily right. fairly easily that is what i say not that we were not prepared for even the any eventualities but we thought it would, it would have been uh, fairly easily to manage these cases but what happened was after some time the contact positivity increased not only that the alarmingly the whose whose the positive cases whose source could not be traced also increased and thirdly clusters started right. forming and you know that who actually uh, described four phases of uh, covid dissemination one is no cases second is sporadic cases third is clusters and and last one is community transmission so i think kerala has now entered into phase of clusters and in some districts uh, we we are we have almost in the verge or in uh, or in the midst of a, a community transmission uh, uh, we have about 172 clusters in kerala now and this is fairly high uh, and uh, uh, we we feel that community transmission might happen at least in a few districts can you tell us a little bit about how the state government in kerala has responded to the pandemic and the crisis and how the response of the state government in kerala has been different compared to other states in india we were exposed to the nipa epidemic uh, uh, in 2018 and 19 which was of course confined to two districts only but it was a learning experience for uh, the the health department as well as the people at large in that we learned about uh, index case contact tracing quarantine even people started using mask at that time you know so there is some amount of institutional memory and uh, public health memory in our society about right. how to confront a pandemic of that sort and and secondly there was a flood in 2018 19 again 
wherein uh, the, because of public uh, very effective public health intervention we could uh, minimize the, uh, the 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 incidence of infective disorders at that time so this was our uh, experience and secondly thirdly and most important one thing which made a difference in kerala interestingly is that wuhan was well known in kerala because there were large number of students studying in the wuhan medical college from kerala so when the the case was reported in wuhan we were prepared so the early preparedness is one of the things that differentiated kerala from other states in, in fact even before january 13 the moment who announced uh, the right. uh, the this type such a type of pandemic we were well prepared uh, the, the 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 airport screening treatment protocols contact tracing everything was it set so that the moment the first one came we started acting and third and most important is that kerala has got a very vibrant public health system and a robust local self government institutions in kerala and also our social capital is very huge in the form of the kudumbashri self help group about 4 million of them the asha workers highly educated asha workers the anganwadi teachers the volunteers etc so our co co social capital was also very huge which could be delegated to uh, do function uh, in in contact tracing quarantining quarantine arrangements etc so that was the strength of kerala compared to other uh, indian states dr ikbal many countries of the world many states in india have been using statistical modeling as one of the instruments to design appropriate policy responses to the pandemic they use these models to project the possible number of infections at a later stage and design policies accordingly does kerala use any kind of statistical modeling to design policies i understand that there is an effort made under the kerala state disaster management authority can you tell us a little bit about that exercise in fact they have recruited a very very highly uh, Right. academicians high level academicians to do these epidemiological studies and uh, uh, one of the uh, one of such persons uh, who is a member of the disaster management authority is also a member of the expert committee so they have made this production actually they made a projection of uh, by july middle uh, 15000 cases and 100 to 150 deaths actually uh, we reached almost up to that uh, prediction we had about 12000 13000 cases by middle of july and uh, but deaths were very minimized deaths were because of our very effective reverse quarantine uh, uh, methodologies which we follow very strictly and now their projection is that uh, by september uh, first week we have the highest peak of about 70 75000 patients and the state state health department is gearing up to meet that challenge but you know that any predictions can go either way wrong because it depends upon so many variables take take so many variables as constant and do this so but uh, based upon this uh, this uh, uh, projection uh, we are uh, we are taking measures both the non pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical uh, measures to uh, uh, to minimize this damage dissemination yeah so dr ikbal let me try to understand your answer in a different way are you saying that kerala is likely to reach its peak of infections that is the next peak of infections because it has already flattened the curve once by around the end of august or september and after that there would be 
a reduction in, in infections once again? We expect by October, maybe we may still flat the curve right. again, and then slowly it may peter out. One, you know that Kerala has got the highest density of population, so dissemination can be very fast. So we have to, we have started what is called the Break the Chain campaign in Kerala. That is one of the yes. uh, hallmark of Kerala's attempt to minimize the COVID dissemination. We started early, that is behavioral changes, starting from hand washing, uh, physical distancing and masking. In fact, universal masking, we started quite early. Early, you, as you know, that WHO did not advocate masking first of, in the first phase. But Kerala started uh, reusable uh, cloth masking for quite early. Right. So this break the chain campaign is quite successful. We are trying to uh, uh, reinforce it again. Because you know that it has been almost six, seven months. There will be some amount of fatigue uh, developing among people to follow this. And moreover, uh, lockdown has been lifted. People are on the street in office. So this may be violated consciously or unconsciously. So we are uh, actually using all our social capital to see that the break the chain campaign is a success. Secondly, we have to reduce the death rate. After all, the disease is not that fatal. The mortality rate is very low. Even globally, it is only 4%. National level, 2%. Even in Kerala, it is only 0.3%. But we have to keep the elderly and those with comorbidity, whose population in Kerala is quietly high. You know that 15% of the people are above 60%. Our uh, non-communicable disease morbidity is one of the highest in, the, in India. And therefore, we have to keep them in their house, homes. Strictly following uh, uh, reverse quarantine. So this is where we are now focusing. If that is successful, then after this peak, it will peter off. I am very confident about that. Dr. Iqbal, you made two very important points here. The yes. first point you made here was related to the smaller number of deaths in Kerala. And the second point you made was related to a very innovative break the chain campaign to spread awareness. Yes. Now, let us take this one by one. I want to first ask you about these death rates. Is yeah. the phenomenon of smaller death rates in Kerala primarily yeah. due to what we call as reverse quarantine? Yeah. If so, yeah. could you please explain? Before that, could you also kindly explain to our viewers uh, what a quarantine and a reverse quarantine actually mean? Yeah, uh, uh, quarantine and reverse quarantine are two different concepts altogether, but both are importance in uh, in first of all uh, preventing or containing the transmission of covid infection to the society and secondly to prevent mortality or death of the vulnerable groups right as far as quarantine is concerned what what is done that is done all over the world is to isolate those who come in contact with positive cases or suspected positive cases. Mm -hmm. So they are either asked to be at their homes, which is called home quarantine, and if facilities are not available, they, are, uh, they, are, they will be uh, provided with uh, accommodation in institutional quarantine facilities provided by the government. Right. And they have to undergo quarantine for 14 days. The objective of quarantine is to protect the community at large from getting infected from suspected group of COVID cases. Right. That is the purpose because 
it because since they have already come in contact with the positive cases or suspected positive cases they may be infected we do not know so then they we do not want to mix them with the communicators so that infection is transmitted to them so they are kept at home quarantine or institutional quarantine for 14 days the the objective here should be very clear we are trying to protect the community from them okay right now the second is with regards to the risk group that is those who are above 65 years or those with other serious diseases comorbidities like severe diabetes mellitus and uh respiratory illnesses cardiovascular illnesses cancer etc because if these group of persons that is the this those who belong to this risk group or the vulnerable group get infected the covid becomes very severe and the possibility of death is very high yes so we have to protect them what we do is we request them to be at their home till the covid transmission period is over they can either be at their home and if facilities are not available in their homes they can stay in the institutional quarantine facilities provided by the government in the case of reverse quarantine we are trying to protect the risk group from possible infected persons in the community right we are actually trying to protect them that is why we use the term reverse quarantine in fact the success of kerala's uh, bringing down mortality rate is because the reverse quarantine has been very well maintained in kerala because we have ward level committees who see that we, they go to houses uh, monitor all the risk group persons and this group of persons may recur so many medicines and other facilities palliative care etc this will be provided okay so reverse quarantine is a great success in kerala that is why the mortality rate is very low in kerala your argument is that the success of reverse quarantine in kerala is primarily related to uh, the decentralized system of uh, public health governance in the state am i right that is true that is true because as i i i said about the ward level committees the ward level committee consists of the asha workers the anganwadi teachers the kudumbashri uh, functionaries the voluntary uh, group youngsters and even the janamaitri police the people friendly janamaitri police so there is a, a group of persons concerned groups at the ward level who take care of not only reverse quarantine but but also uh, the quarantine persons so can i a quick question to you here is that can you summarize the major achievements historically from 1996 when decentralization was introduced in kerala uh, the impact of that decentralization process on the healthcare uh, sector in uh, in in fact uh, even by people were talking about the kerala model of develop kerala model of healthcare late 1980s we were uh, facing a lot of crisis in fact kerala model was moving from a success period to crisis period in late 1980s right that was because at that time the morbidity was increasing in kerala the both the uh, morbidity due to inf- infective illnesses like dengue fever chikungunya all these came to kerala some of the infect- infective disease, disease, disorders like malaria resurfaced in kerala at that time 
and the non communicable disease also increased like diabetes hypertension etc mm-hmm. but the public sector was stagnant at that time they could not manage all the increasing morbid patients in the public hospital so in that vacuum came the private hospitals in a big way late 1980s and 90s early 90s right. now what happens consequent to this uh, the health expenditure naturally increased because people have to go to private hospitals to get treatment and moreover the non communicable disease uh, like di- diabetes or heart disease cancer etc require a lot of money to be spent in private hospital they are expensive mm-hmm. treatment are necessary for such conditions naturally the health expenditure increased and therefore uh, in kerala uh, was well known that we could there was some amount of social equity and uh, maintained in healthcare in kerala we could provide healthcare even to the uh, very poor pe- persons in kerala so that started getting eroded in the sense that maybe the marginalized people may be denied healthcare because public hospitals were stagnant they are not able to go to private hospitals this was a situation so at that time in 1993 interestingly WHO published a document in which they were talking about community participation in healthcare so they advocated that if in the case of the uh, developing countries they want to improve their healthcare the the uh, the public health, the healthcare should be decentralized in financing planning etc so in administration financing and planning it should be decentralized so they advocated that nobody noticed this actually in 1996 was a great game changer in kerala at that time as part of the people's campaign for decentralized planning what we did was about 25 to 30% of the state budget was uh, uh, given to the local self government institutions not only that they had they were given the responsibility to plan for spending this money based upon people's aspirations okay and in healthcare we decentralized healthcare up to the district hospitals from primary healthcare to up to district hospitals were handed over to the local self government institutions that was a game changer in kerala dramatically the facilities in the phc up to district hospital remarkably increased and the health department could concentrate on the medical colleges there they increased the facilities and during the 2006 uh, left from government the infrastructure facilities were further improved and during this government's tenure starting from 2016 we started what is called ardram mission by this mission we increased the human resources infrastructure facilities from psc to uh, medical college level in fact the primary health care centers were transferred to transformed into family health care centers uh and even ncd clinics are being conducted there all essential drugs are provided the working right. hours was uh, increased from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock number of doctors working in psc increased from 2 to 3 nurses from 3 to 4 so therefore a dramatic change happened and now because of this the public hospitals became people friendly because human resources are there infrastructure is there and uh, all essential medicines are stocked that is why as i said earlier in 1996 only 28% of the people used to go to public hospital now it has increased up to 48.9 almost 50% and the 
aim of this government is to increase up it up to 60% uh, during the tenure of the present government this is post this was possible uh, primarily because healthcare was decentralized in care in kerala and this this was very helpful in controlling covid in kerala also because down below at the field level we have the local self government institution functionaries along with the health department functionaries that help to contain the covid pandemic so that brings me to a question dr ekbal does this mean that the policy of reverse quarantine does it mean that old people in joint families and so on will need to move out of their houses to be in reverse quarantine or is there another system that the state tries to follow so if, if such houses especially the middle class upper middle class have got separate rooms to house these elderly pe- people then they can continue their joint family system and we call it room quarantine they have to be in their rooms and secondly those who are coming from outside should wear mask within their houses also and keep a, a physical distance from this elderly this vulnerable group and suppose in case they do not have this facility in their house right. we may even shift the youngsters to another place because some of the elderly may not like to be shifted from their uh, homes right. you know but if that is necessary we have what is called a facility is called institutional quarantine where we government has set apart uh, several uh, buildings where they can be shifted and taken care of that is being done yeah right uh, the second issue that yeah. you mentioned was related to the break the chain campaign uh, do you think uh, kerala of course has a highly literate educated conscious population do you think uh, the population in kerala is actually abiding by the directives related to social distancing wearing masks etc or are there Uh, a large number of violations it is not producing a low and order issues in that sense but there are a few violations and we expect that see in a, a, because as i said uh, there will be some amount of fatigue right. some amount of uh, carelessness developing within the community but as i said uh, our earlier experience with the flood uh, flood seasons and the general health consciousness of the people and our social capital and campaigning by large number of social movements in kerala uh kssp is one such organization to which i am associated they have started a large number of whatsapp group and you know that large number of webinars are being conducted by mass organization every day personally i attend to two to three two three webinars every day where i explain to various groups uh, about the importance of break the chain campaign in fact the other day i was talking to uh, uh, the progressive writers forum and day before yesterday i was talking to the all india democratic women's association kerala branch comrades and you see uh, uh, these these webinars are attended by large number huge number right. of people actually 10 15000 people attend as an average so such that campaign is going on very effectively and as i said the chief minister's daily conference the press conference where he advocate he not only narrates what the state is doing he also talks about the public messages he reinforces in the mind of the people to break the chain campaign and reverse quarantine yeah uh, dr ikbal a related question is that you have uh, let me uh, uh, sort of divide the administration into two uh, or three sec- segments one is the police the other is the health department the other is the administration 
uh, of the government. Uh, how do uh, how is the Kerala strategy combining uh, the health department, the administration, and the police department to uh, to create some kind of a coherent strategy? In fact, one of the uh, factors the that helped Kerala achieve this much is because of the inter-sector collaboration and cooperation. As I said, every every day the chief minister convenes a meeting of right. the high level. Uh, meeting where all the secretaries of various departments come together they discuss with each other the problem there may be some uh, communication problem likely to be between various departments these are these are this, this is there said and these are sure. settled then and there see every day okay and the chief minister's hyper high level committee I, in my experience is a very democratic forum where in, in uh, uh, with, there is no hierarchy there actually it is a longitudinal networked democratic system that is what i would rather like to describe that setup so this is largely taken care of this intersectoral collaboration is taken care of fairly well in kerala yeah i asked that question deliberately in fact i used the word law and order very deliberately in my last question as well because there is a lot of debate as to how the lockdown should actually look like there is a lot of debate about the uh, uh the nature of the lockdown the need for it to be strict and effective on the one hand but not a law and order issue on the other uh how has kerala traversed this fine line between making it a law and order issue in fact as uh, we i said earlier the first uh, kerala declared the lockdown of all the 14 districts and if you remember at that time we were advised by the central government that we should go lock down seven districts based upon the disease incidents and the chief minister asked the views of the expert committee and we were of the view that kerala should go for a lockdown immediately and that was declared on 23rd and 24th then central government uh, declared lockdown which was a success in kerala actually in fact lockdown helped kerala because kerala by that time the state yes. government they took uh, they declared a 20000 a uh, crore rupees uh, recovery um, in uh, package so a uh, package so that that has taken care of the vulnerable sections of society the 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 the, the, the laborers coming from from other uh, states were very well taken care of so that was done in kerala and the rationing was very strengthened even those who are outside the rationing system uh food sub, food food supply was ensured the kudumbashri started social com- community kitchens so therefore uh, actually lockdown did not hurt the people in kerala especially the lower state of the society so they actually cooperated with the lockdown now that's quite different from the experience of other states with respect to social protection offered to migrant workers isn't it we call them guest you see guest workers so we call them guest workers it is not a workers. it is That's not a uh, play with the birds you know actually we really mean them so they were all housed in very good places the food that uh, they usually eat was supplied to them uh, people who talk different languages were posted there their healthcare was taken care of and for your information very few positive cases were reported from the guest workers in kerala that is certainly a remarkable achievement isn't it despite the fact that they live in settlements or hamlets where the density of population is very high the number of infections among migrant workers being uh, lower is indeed 
a major achievement in Kerala. So because because uh, the health workers uh, give sp- special preference to this group. They went there, masks masks were uh, distributed, the right. social, uh, the physical distancing messages were given uh, to them. The sanitizers were made available. They were very well taken care of. So, Dr. Iqbal, uh, uh, we come towards the end of our conversation. Uh, so, where does Kerala go from here for the next six months, the next one year? How is the health situation going to be? We all know that uh, uh, we are all expecting a medicine or a vaccine. Uh, and we know that it might take some time. But uh, is that if the elderly get infected, sure, some of them will will get infected in spite of all the care we are taking to ensure waste quarantine. They have to be provided with high technology health, health care. So we should have, co- so, so we have established two COVID hospitals per districts. And uh, then we have ventilators, uh, liquid oxygen, uh, critical care management experts deployed in these hospitals. And we, based upon this projection by the disaster management authority, we are taking steps to ensure that all who may require uh, this uh, uh, care, high technology care will be taken care of. And secondly, those with, who do have uh, minor symptoms, uh, less severe symptoms, will be uh, managed in what we call COVID first-line treatment centers. Already we have set up what uh, COVID first-line treatment centers. And as per the guidelines by WHO, ICMR, etc. Asymptomatic patients who do not have, uh, who do not belong to the uh, risk group, can be managed at home. Conditionally, in that we will have to provide them with uh, pulse oximeter, etc. So there are three levels of patients we will be managing. We are uh, making institutional arrangements to take care of them. So that is what we are doing. And but simultaneously, we will have to go on. Uh, telling the people about the importance of the break, break the chain lifestyle uh, lifestyle uh, should be followed and also the reverse quarantine should be where without any any loophole should be ensured so this is what currently we are doing and we hope that uh, uh, after right. uh, september first second week uh, the the incidence of covid in kerala will come down thank you very much dr ikbal i think uh, very interesting feature of our conversation was that uh, it was very factual and uh, it did not uh, uh, even your your responses to my questions were not uh, of the sort which uh, uh, unnecessarily or uh, exaggerate the response of kerala i'm really surprised if you look at the indian situation uh, even the mortality rate is very low and secondly many states we that do not have uh, the advantages of Kerala are also performing fairly well. Uh, and many countries are fairly, <laughs> performing very well. Right. Need not compare with others. Because my point is that, my position always is that each state, each country will have its own advantages, disadvantages, its own challenges, its own strength. Based upon that, they are reacting to this calamity, you know. So let us not compare and be jump into self-praise right. and complacence, as you put it correctly. But probably one area where Kerala can have some uh, some well-deserved self-praise is how its social security policy has reacted. Because uh, COVID is not only a medical issue, it is also a socio-economic That's issue, which affects the vulnerable most. 
ഡീസെൻട്രലൈസേഷൻ ഓഫ് health institutions has happened in an unprecedented scale compared to any other part of the world and up to the district hospitals everybody was debating on this you know mm. but who always advocated that if you want to ensure community participation which is a prerequisite to solve the health problems of developing part of the world uh, health sector should be decentralized that has happened in kerala in 96 i would say that is a major game changer in kerala in improving the health status of the people and also the most vibrant public health system for the historical factors and what the current government is doing in terms of taking care of the vulnerable part of the society the social security measures we are taken taking these are what makes a lot of difference so kerala managed covid not only as a health problem we have managed it as a socio economic problems also right Dr. Iqbal, thank you very much for that conversation. It was extremely educative for me and I'm sure it will be for the listeners of this thank podcast you, as well. Thank you, Ramal. Thank you. thank you. Thank you very much for your time. So friends, that brings us to the end of episode number two at Chai Kada Chats. I hope you enjoyed it. We will meet soon with the next episode of Chai Kada Chats. And that is going to be on the emerging situation related to the horrendous landslides that have been taking place in the state of kerala we are going to speak to geologists scientists and experts on the situation of landslides in the state see you then goodbye